Welcome to the Fired Up Podcast. I'm Andrew Hopple. I'm Cameron Hewitt. And you guys are listening to the FUP, the number one fitness and everything fitness-based podcast out there for you guys. Um, Cam and I talk about a number of different things, but we kind of tie it all back into fitness, and we're here to do that today. So what do we got going on this week, Cam? So one thing that I've noticed that's very interesting over the past like six months of getting back into training is the questions that people ask. And so hopefully if you guys are listening and you're just kind of starting off with your fitness journey and like, there's a lot to learn. I mean, do especially in the beginning, it's like, you're so lost, right? You're like, I don't even know, you know, you show up, you see these machines, you see treadmills, you see dumbbells and you're like, yeah, what do I, what do I do with them though? Like, it's kind of confusing, right? You could follow along the machines, but it's hard to tell what's hard, what's not. I mean, it's tricky, right? And so what's been interesting is people asking questions you know, how do I work my biceps? How do I work my triceps? How do I do this, that? And I feel like what some people, when they ask me that, they're looking for specific exercises. But what Andrew and I kind of want to do for a part of today is give you guys like like certain tools so that you can essentially work like every muscle group and make up your own workouts. Because it's more about learning principles, right? Than learning specific movements you might have certain movements that you like more like i mean me and andrew are going to have our our favorite like go-to arm exercises right but educating you guys on hey when you go to the gym and you're like i want to do arms like equipping you so you know the basic principles on how to work out your arms right so more about learning movement patterns and specific exercises so I don't know, Andrew, how, how do you want to go about this? I mean, do we want to just do a a quick synopsis on every, like kind of each muscle group or joint and just kind of go from there? Well, I think I think we can make it very, very simple for people by teaching them some basic anatomy here, right? Um, if you want to consider how muscles work, usually it's the contraction of a the, the contraction of a muscle group is some type of movement away from a straightened um well really i guess it could be straightened or or um bent position for example it's going to be the tightening of that muscle group so for example um there's two usually two different angles here if we want to consider there is two different angles if you're talking about your arm your biceps are going to be flexing when you're curling that uh weight or resistance in right? And then the triceps are going to be lengthening on the opposite side. Opposite happens when you're pushing and you're flexing the triceps, the back of the arm, the bicep is going to be lengthening at the front. And you can consider the same thing for your legs, right? When your Mm -hmm. leg is curling in, that's going to be the stretching of your quad in the front, your quadriceps. And then in the back, it's going to be the tightening of your hamstrings and vice versa. You're going to be stretching your hamstrings. You're going to be flexing out your leg, the front of your leg, rather your quad as you're tightening and going for full extension, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that there's the contraction of the muscle is what is creating force, but there's always a counterbalanced stretching of another muscle um, when that's taking place since we're not 2D figures, right? Um, Once you understand that, you understand quite a bit about how I would say athletic physical anatomy works and how you're going to be training your muscles better Um, because you can manipulate these different movements and load them differently to create results through your, your strength training or your resistance training. And you might say, okay, well, who gives a shit? This is going to be a super boring episode. Uh, Hopefully not true because this is going to set you up for success to be able to take care of yourself and train yourself better and see better results, greater results through your improved overall knowledge of how this stuff actually works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I do like the comparison. If you think about, and actually I kind of like to do this myself. If you think about your legs as like your lower body arms, they kind of, they kind of match. Like you flexing your bicep is the same thing as far from like a joint perspective as you flexing your hamstring. So like, if you guys just, just look, invert. they're just like inversed. They're exactly they're like backward, right? So if you 
if you're wondering, okay, how am I going to work my hamstrings? Literally look at your knee joint and think, how am I going to make the angle between my calf and my hamstring smaller? That will work your hamstring. And then all you have to do is find a way to make that more challenging. And you can come up with a bunch of different exercises for that, right? And then like what Andrew was saying, when you're doing that, you're stretching out the antagonist muscle, right? So you're stretching out your quad. So then you got to think, hey, the, the quad is the opposite of the hamstring. Do the opposite with that knee joint. Make your make your calf go away from your hamstring. And literally anything that does that is going to load your quads. And obviously machines make this very easy, but you know, if you if you look at dumbbell, dumbbells are I think what kind of trips people up, right? So that's where you think, okay, if I'm doing a lunge, as you're coming up on that lunge, the angle of your knee joint is getting greater. So you're like, oh, I'm working my quads. And I mean, you know, you'll also feel it, right? I mean, <laughs> if you're doing like Bulgarian split squats, dude, you're gonna be feeling it in your quads quite a bit. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty brutal. But then you get to like like the shoulder, for example, and he's one for the shoulder, dude, just get your arm, get your hand away from your body. Like that's a very basic way of putting it. But dude, you can put that out in front. You can put it out to the side. You can put it over your head. My hand is away from my shoulder joint as far as possible. Right. Um, So that's another way just load, load those movements and you will work your shoulders. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, when you when you look at this and when you try to understand this, guys, more anatomically, when, simply just seeing load on a muscle group is resistance training. That's how you're going to see progress. And then you want to do it safely so that we don't see injury and we can stimulate the muscle, we can need to recover, and then we do it again. We repeat it, right? Rinse and repeat. And that's how we see progress over time. Um, so once again, consider... How do these muscle groups actually work? Where's the load? How can I make it hard enough or challenging enough to see some positive failure and then continue to progress from there? Because mm-hmm. I think we we haven't talked about that. I don't even know if we ever have talked about that inside of the podcast to really take, uh, take a consideration for that. Another thing you can really consider here is your, your center of gravity. Whenever you're doing some type of general weight training or lift, the closer the weight is to your center of gravity, you're going to have more leverage. It's going to be easier for you to mm-hmm. manipulate. As soon as the weight is farther away from your body, let's take two examples, two very different examples, a barbell deadlift. When you're deadlifting, and, and some of you don't understand what that is, so let's break it down. A barbell deadlift off the ground, we're not allowing uh, to hold tension. You know, Quite a few people will do a deadlift, and then they'll hold and go slow on the way down and not touch the ground and go back up again. I'm talking about a standard conventional or sumo deadlift where we start on the floor, the bar is up against the legs. I'm going to push my hips in and pull my back behind me to stand up, and then I put the bar all the way back down again. The farther away that bar is from my center of gravity, or a very common issue is that if you have tight hips, if you don't have great form practice, your bar is going to be too far away from your legs at the beginning, right? And then I'm going to have to pull through my lower back. I'm going to have to pull through all these other muscle groups because my center of gravity is not working with me. Very simple way to look at this again in another muscle group is your, let's say, shoulder lateral raises with two dumbbells, one in each hand, mm-hmm. seated or standing. When you're doing this, the farther away, like Cam said, your weights are from your one anchor point, which would be your shoulder, or you could look at it as your center of gravity, the harder it's going to be because you have less leverage to manipulate with that. So usually what I tell people is, hey, when you start to fail, we want to continue to see some um, some stimulation here because it's going to help us overall. So bend the elbow and make sure that you give yourself a little more leverage for that same thing. And it's going to be easier for you to complete a couple more repetitions before you full fail because now it's closer to your center of gravity. Yeah, I mean, that's so that's actually a really interesting point is you guys can change the mechanics of your movement and you can almost do a version of a drop set, but with the same weight, right? That's kind of like what you were just saying. Like if you have a lateral raise and your your arm is, you know, just a little bit of bend in the elbow as it gets more challenging, you start bringing that dumbbell in a little bit. I mean, that's almost like imagine if you could load, if you could take like like um like a wrist weight, 
like a like a 15 pound weight that you can wrap around your body if you were to put it on your elbow and do lateral raises that way that is way easier than having it on your hand so if you can bring that weight in a little bit you can keep getting more reps in because you're stronger in that position it's same thing with like like bicep curls and this kind of leads us into a little range of motion topic too what what i one of my favorite things for biceps i'll be doing an incline dumbbell curl now when so guys what you do is you take the bench bring it to like 45 60 degree incline so when you're at the bottom your bicep is fully stretched out and it pretty much has to do all the work i mean when you're standing people can kind of rock a little bit you know these little things that help you cheat when you're laying down it's fully stretched out and it's doing pretty much all the work very fatiguing and you don't really go that heavy because it's just it's mechanically it's really challenging what I do is when I get fatigued there, I'm like a few reps away from failure. I'll sit up straight. Makes it a little bit easier. I keep going. I get past that. I stand up. Keep going. Once I start struggling there, I go into hammer curls. Right? Because hammer curls, you can tend to, you know, you tend to be a little bit stronger in that position. At least, at least I do. So you, there's a lot of ways to manipulate movements to make them harder. You can decrease the range of motion as you get fatigued if that's something you want to do you can change the angle i mean there's a lot of ways a lot of ways to do it but if you guys can master like the knowledge and like the base set of skills to work every muscle group like if you i mean let let me let me throw this at you andrew you tell me what you think about this in someone's resistance training program you should be doing You'd be aiming for certain movement patterns. So I would prefer people to be able to do these like five movements. You should be able to do a vertical push, a horizontal push, a pulling movement, a hip hinge, and some sort of leg press or a squat. Though, If you can do those basic movement patterns in the course of a week, you're, you're going to be hitting every muscle group. You might not be getting like accessories like bicep curls. I mean, you easily could, but those movement patterns for me are like staples. Well, not to be annoying, but to be to be even more specific, I would say, because I think you're on the right path, I would try to phrase it as we need to stimulate these specific muscle groups because it doesn't need to be necessarily like, oh, one dogmatic overhead overhead press to simulate the shoulders right because then we can get into some really you know gritty stuff of oh i've got this issue or that issue or this you know impingement or you know whatever everybody's got these different issues that we have to work through and as a trainer you you get to see all these things so that you can kind of understand some commonality ones and then also ones that are kind of like you know every every single month i get to see some ones that are like hey this is weird can't figure this out. I got to really look into the dirty details as to what's going on with this thing. And usually it's like weakness and and one point that causes issue. Like the other day I had a, um, a new gal come in for a a consultation at the P10 gym. When you have, um, when you want to either become an on your own gym member, you want to do group training or personal training, you have to do a consultation with me because I have to figure out who you are, make sure you're not going to burn down my gym. And then mm-hmm. um, got to figure out, you know, if we're going to work well together in whatever capacity to be a part of the community. And I also want to learn about you and what you're good at, what you're not good at, and maybe try to help in that way at the same time. So met with her actually literally yesterday and we went through and she has some major um, weakness in her knees. And she's got some pain and she's got some lower back or middle back issues as well. And, you know, this, this woman, she's she's not new to fitness, right? She's slender, so she's a little bit leaner. Um, I think she's mid forties. And in this situation, you know, she is she's previously done quite a bit of um, CrossFit, for example. Now, beyond that, it's been a a little bit of time, about over a year since she's been in a CrossFit facility, and she even she even coached some CrossFit. So believe it or not, nobody has. I, I spent one and a half hours with her talking and then doing a, my consultation workout so that I can kind of test some things and see where we're at. 
within that hour and a half, I was able to figure out a pretty good idea as to where she's seen a lot of her weaknesses and nobody's, nobody's ever helped her, you know, diagnose this stuff, hmm. but nobody really takes a moment. And that's why I mean, that's why we're encouraging you guys to do this today is to take a moment and try to understand what does the anatomy do here and how do we turn these muscles on and, and not screw up our knees over here because it, it is very, very important anyways. So this, this woman, she has, um, she has quad strength and she had misinterpreted her knee issues for maybe having weaker quads. Um, what she doesn't have is she has, she does not have glute strength. She does not have lateral glute strength. She has medial glute strength. So she's able to push fairly well, but she does not have lateral glute strength, which the lateral is obviously the side. So the side of her glute is weaker and she does not have the ability to manipulate um, through that muscle group very well through that inconsistency of, of training. Therefore, it's resulting in weaker knee position because she can't hold her knees in position or where they need to be. Now, that's a little bit higher level. And obviously, if nobody else has been able to help her with that up until this point, I'm not expecting you guys after this one podcast to be like, oh, no, I know that I can take a look at somebody and figure out <laughs> like what's going on with their, their knee issue. But if we take any issue and we try to understand it through the lens of, okay, well, what is this What is this issue connected to in terms of muscle-wise? And then we can try to figure out and eliminate maybe some options and then amplify other options and test. Um, she said that well, there was like – so she goes very, very wide. Or uh, let, let me backtrack then because I'm getting ahead of, ahead of myself. I'm sorry, guys. She also has very long femurs and a short torso, Okay. So in this situation, she is not set up to be very stable in a squat on top of having a weaker lateral glute. So, of course, she's going to have knee pain. <laughs> that's that's a situation where your leverage points, if your femur, guys, your femur is the bone that's attached to your quads and your hamstrings. If your femur is significantly longer than your um, lower leg or your torso, you're going to, your butt's going to be farther back, way farther back in a lowered squat position than somebody who has a shorter, more proportionate femur length sitting in that same squat position. So hopefully you can picture that. And in that situation, I have that issue myself. I have longer femurs. You need to fold yourself from an upper body perspective in half in order to perform a very good squat, right? So you can imagine in order to keep my center of gravity without losing my balance, I need to lean my chest forward more, especially if I have a bar in my back, because my butt is so far behind me when I'm sitting in the bottom of a squat. People like Cam, when they're proportionate and aesthetic and beautiful, they don't have to worry about that as much. They can sit in that perfect squat position with much more leverage control. I mean, once again, if we go back and talk about leverages with the shoulders, it's the same thing. But now you're looking at it in really a not not real um, manipulatable lower body uh, uh, factor here. So stop me if I'm going too much on a tangent here, Cam. But going back to um, her issues initially, she has these longer femur lengths. She has weaker glutes. And previously, she let me know that you know other friends and coaches and whatever, I don't know what their credentials are, obviously, or how much time they put into this shit. But they would they put like plates on either side of her feet and try to say, hey, you know, don't let your feet go too wide. <laughs> and then we get into the issue of, well, what is your hip placement? Where, where's your hip insertion? Because everybody has different hip insertions. Did they? Did they? Very... Bro, I have a question. Do they? Did they actually say? So they they told her don't squat wide. Yes, that's what she's to squat been told. This way. Interesting. That makes no but sense. No, no. But that's that's very wet behind the ears of. As a new trainer, you're you're flooded with information, just like you guys are as lay people inside of fitness. You're only supposed to do it this way. You're not supposed to do it that way. It's everywhere, right? And that's why it's so confusing. And that's why when you become a better fitness person, when you become a better fitness professional, you understand that there's incredible amounts of nuance. And we have to dig through and find the real details for the real truth. And that's hopefully what we're doing for you guys here today. Anyways, let's break it down. Um, let's say that this woman's name is Sally. So Sally, 
She has, I love using the name Sally for all my You examples. always do. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quality, so, good, all American name. <laughs> so Sally has longer femurs. She believes it's weak quads in the front that's causing some issues. She has pain in her knees when she squats. And she has um, weaker lateral glutes. And then on top of that, she's got a little bit of tightness in her lower calf, or I would say her tendons down there. And she has trouble with stability on her feet when she's squatting. Now, this was another point where I had to really consider and say, okay, well, what the heck's going on here with the instability? Because I saw, I, I had her do some regular squats for me to try to start to uh, establish a, um, a working relationship in my mind with how her body works. And she, her feet were just like moving all over the place, right? They were never stable. And I realized, I believe at this point, that it's because she was trying so hard to keep her feet more narrow when her hip insertions are not designed to be like that. So now you can imagine her entire setup here. She's got a wide inserted hip where her hips are not meant to be naturally forward facing. And this is where we can like get in this super like out there and say, well, this is why, you know, man spreading is fucking stupid because everybody has different hip insertions too. Mm -hmm. Anyways, regardless, let's go back to the real thing here. So Sally has these wider hip insertions and her hips. I would assume at this point, I've only worked out with her one time. They're not meant to be inserted nice and narrow where your feet and toes are pointing straight in front of you. That's not natural and that's not comfortable for her, right? If you could imagine her hips are just naturally set a little wider and her knees want to slightly point outwards in standing position. So she was trying to fight that with a weak glute and her knees were taking all that pressure. Of course, there it is. Mm. Now we figured it out. But hopefully this is helpful, you guys, this exercise right here, because understanding what was causing Sally all this issue is very common. And it's stuff that you're probably dealing with yourself where somebody says, oh, you got to do it this way. You can't do it that way. That's not true. You have to, if you want to learn, you have to link up with a good clinician, a good personal trainer who's taking some time to try to understand this stuff as best they can and will also admit to you when they don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. But regardless, I figured out that, hey, you know what, Sally, I want you to focus on strengthening the glutes, the lateral glutes. That needs to be the number one focus here for what we're doing inside of the gym because it's going to get rid of some of that knee pain. Second, please just squat whatever's natural for you. Allow yourself to not let your lower back take over. Last part I should probably point out, she was told to keep her chest up in a squat, right? And I bet many of you have also heard that. By doing so, she was flexing and activating her erectors, which are the muscles that, once again, keep your chest up. And so she was seeing some back tightness and back pain while squatting. She wasn't allowing, with her long femurs, allowing her chest to fall forward naturally like her anatomy wants her to do to hold a stable position in a squat. So now, this and this may look weird for some people who don't see a wide variety of squat forms. In Sally's proper, what I would consider to be natural anatomical squat position, she has a very wide base. She's not very tall. Very wide base with her feet. So feet are outside the shoulders. Her hips are wide, so her knees are naturally pointed outwards. And she's sitting with a slight lean forward. So she's got a shorter torso and a longer legs. And maybe people are like, this looks really weird. That is normal for her anatomically. And we have to understand that all of our anatomies are different. And the most important part is how can we safely, effectively load a, a, a muscle group in order to see stimulation? Boom. Hopefully that's helpful. Well, I guess one thing to think about is I still think it's a good aim, or I should say this, when I meet with someone for the first time, a part of what they pay for is a assessment. The movements I listed are what I have them do, like basic movement patterns. Now, to Andrew's point, if there's someone who, you know, let's say for whatever reason, doing an, an overhead press really bugs their shoulder. That's a good thing for me to know. So when I write their program, I'm like, okay, well, we still need to work the shoulder. But hey, if, if we can't go overhead, can we do a lateral raise? Can we do a front raise? Can we do an, can we do an upright row? I mean, I, I had one client. She wanted to do a shoulder press machine 
and it just pinched her shoulder, whatever it was, the ankle. I'm like, hey, well, let's try, let's try dumbbells and let's try tucking the elbows in a little bit. And she's like, yeah, there's literally no pain. Perfect. Like, great. Like you adjust these things, right? And like, same thing with, with the good old Sally. Like she can squat. She just needs to do it in a way that makes sense for her body and find that movement pattern that works for her. And then she'll start seeing way more progress because of it. So like, you make a good point, Andrew. It's like a lot of people are like, dude, this is the best way to squat. This is the best way to deadlift. This is the best way to do this, that, whatever. There is a good amount of specificity for these big movement patterns. I mean, working your biceps, it's like that's working your biceps. I don't know. There's not a whole lot that would change the movement pattern for that. These big compound movements, though, there's going to be some some variability for sure. And you need to be able to adjust it, too. I've got I've got another good point here to to kind of build off of what you're saying here too, Cam. Mm. Um, another big maturity point is once again understanding that there are no specific lifts that you need to do. There's right. Not, you need to stimulate muscle. Now going beyond that, <clears throat> I'll use myself as an example here. I am not built. My anatomy is not built to deadlift very well, and when I do deadlift, I'm actually training very similar muscle groups to one of my squat my squat pattern okay so the way that my anatomy is working my my deadlift is heavily glute focused okay and yes there's going to be grip and upper body that works into that and that's the difference but my legs my legs are long and my arms are very very short so in order to get in a proper deadlift position i need to be glute engaged in order to have proper force to pick something heavy off the ground. Does it mean that I shouldn't deadlift? No, I enjoy deadlifting. I think it's fun, but it's not going to be as, as beneficial as somebody who has a more proportionate, like Cam, his uh, anatomy where his femur is more proportionate. Because your femurs are pretty proportionate, aren't they, Cam? Yeah, I, I feel like, all, honestly, I feel like all my limbs are pretty proportionate like i don't have like really long arms i don't have really short arms my femurs seem to be and dude i would actually when, be really you squat you can sit pretty pretty narrow and for full depth oh dude yeah compared to compared to like the way you squat i mean i'm i'm a little bit i'm about shoulder width apart a little bit further apart and then my toes are slightly pointed out i don't go no one would say i have a wide stance squat i definitely don't yeah, and then you get proper depth through that. Now, right. when Cam is deadlifting, he's going to get way more of the full, I guess, appreciated muscle activation through that lift as what one would design it to do. But since, once again, my femurs are so long, my arms are so short, in that position to pick something heavy off the ground like that, I have to use a, an incredible amount of glute uh, in order to get in that position and even some hamstring to hold proper uh, takeoff position and to pull that weight off the ground. It's very similar because it's harder for me to target my quads through my my squat, my barbell back squat. So knowing that's true, let's talk about that anatomy really quick. When I'm doing my barbell back squat, I go lower on my back through, it's called like a low bar position back squat because some people will do high bar position with the bar right up against their um, their shoulders, basically. Now, some people, once again, you may have heard this, that, oh, it's better to do this way or that way, and that's not true. Once again, it's all based on your anatomy. If we go back to the center of gravity, friends, and we try to understand that, I need to have the bar lower on my back because of my longer femurs, because if I don't, my bar position is too far forward. And then I'm losing so much power and strength in order to sit in that low position without having that bar right in the middle of that foot position at the bottom of my squat, if that makes sense. So I'm actually targeting very, very similar muscle groups through my barbell back squat as I do with my um, barbell deadlift. And when I understood this, when I started to learn this, it was a huge eye-opening situation because I realized that the anatomy makes such a big difference. And it's not even about the lifts period. It's the, the load and how the anatomy works. Now, going beyond that, how do I, how do I, as somebody who has these issues, train both of these muscle groups or all these muscle groups in regards? Good question, Cam. I use tons 
of leg extension. Leg extension is so easy for me to easily load my quads and to push it very, very hard. Once you build that mental threshold too, you know that you can get very uncomfortable with a leg extension and see progress that way. And I've seen, I've blown my legs up specifically through that. And some people might say, oh, that's not a good lift. It's not a full lift. It's too simple, but they just don't know what they're talking about, right? You can also do something like a Smith machine, which the P10 gym would love to get soon enough. If any of you have one, um, willing to, to pay a little for it. <laughs> <laughs> Inside of a, a Smith machine situation, it's locked in place, right? You can do that forward foot position, and I can sit into the bottom of that squat without worrying about losing stability and press through. So it's kind of like a leg press uh, anatomy there. Or I can do a barbell front squat. Barbell front squats, especially with some heels elevated, um, can be a great quad position for press. And of course, there's also leg press that can help out too. But there's so many different ways that I can easily and effectively train my legs to see benefit off of just because I can't hit my quads quite as well as Cam can through a barbell back squat does not mean that I'm doomed. You know, I wonder if you could think about it this way. Instead of thinking, hey, I need to do vertical push, vertical pull, or, uh, you know, all these whatever movements. If you, if you take your joints through extension and flexion, you're going to end up working every muscle group. Like that's a good way to think about it. it. Cause you'd be like, Hey, you know what? Like one of, one of the people I I work with at the aquatic center, her, like dude, her just shoulder range of motion, previous shoulder injuries, having a barbell on her back is front and back. Very uncomfortable. Yep. It's like it's like, hey, while we're working on that shoulder range of motion, let's not do squats because you're in pain, right? But let's do leg press. We can all I mean there's so many other ways to work the legs that are pain-free that work the same muscle groups, and you're taking those joints through flexion and extension in the same way. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's just important. Like you don't have to do certain movements, but you should be doing making sure you're working muscle, your every muscle group and then extension and flexion of the joints. So what Cam just said here makes him better than 90% of trainers out there. And I'm fully confident of that because he understands that concept. And if you guys are working with a trainer who doesn't understand that concept, that's, that's major troublesome, major, major troublesome, because then you're going to be in positions where they say, oh no, you have to do this one thing this way. And it's not true. It's not true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, going beyond that, I think you're, you're making great points here, Cam, and we're on the same page. We also have to consider that, like, let's say Sally's weakness or, or your client's weakness out there in Michigan. Um, I don't know why I labeled the state in this situation, there's going to be pain created by some type of inadequacy. Usually it's a muscular inadequacy. Something's causing the issue for her shoulder. Just like I saw the knee pain. I'm like, okay, well, where could this be caused, right? Probably through that lateral glute we figured out. But we have to try to figure out where that inadequacy is taking place in terms of uh, muscle development on one side or, or ina- inadequacy on another. And then we also have to understand, was it a mobility thing? Is it a stability thing? What's causing all this issue where there's tightness and where there's um, maybe impingement taking place, and then we can hopefully prescribe some helpful solutions regarding that. And that's where, I mean, that's technically what, like, in my opinion, chiropractic work is and uh, physical therapy work is. It's like slowly working your way, and maybe not slowly through chiropractic work, but getting through to these uncomfortable positions and getting more mobility into joints and um, areas where we have issue. And usually when you have issue in one spot of your body, it's caused by another spot in your body. Um, where, where personal training and training in general is kind of the way that we can actually start to heal things and make them better. But a lot of it's going to be prehab when we do it correctly. That's what training is for. We're trying to prepare our bodies for the life ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all that. Yeah. And I, I hope like you guys can go into the gym and just think like, all right, I want to, I want to work these muscle groups 
I hope you at least have somewhat of like a roadmap of like basic principles of like what to do. And you're not, you don't, you don't feel like dogmatic about certain things you, certain movements you have to do. Um, that's just, it's all about just working them like the specific muscles and you, and you can figure out if you're doing that by looking at the joint and also you'll feel it, you know? So hopefully it just gives a little bit of clarity. And I think a lot of people don't go to the gym because they don't know what to do. Like they don't want to look like an idiot in front of a bunch of people they don't know. And they don't want to look weak. They don't want to look stupid. They don't want to look like they're not, they don't know what they're doing. And so really a lot of it is just confidence guys, just knowing like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And I would even say like, just to build that confidence, find a workout for like each muscle group and just, just do that for like six to eight weeks, get comfortable being in the gym and working out and, and feeling like you kind of like belong there. Like you don't need to do something new every single time for each muscle group. Like it's not necessary. Just get used to being there. Just get comfortable being there. Absolutely. You know what I do when I have somebody who's super new to training hmm. or even just training with me in general, usually I'll have them repeat the same sessions for four to six weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The same ones. Yeah. I mean, just get them. And also it's like, if you're new at something, why would you throw a million things at them when you can literally give them probably like 12 movements and it'll work everything and just be like, Hey, just do this, <laughs> you know, get used to it and be get consistent, your, get some conditioning. For, yeah. Yeah. Master your consistency, get some conditioning going, like get a nice little base level of strength going. So your body isn't freaking fried from looking at weights, you know, and then Guys, go if, on from there. If you have issue, if you have pain and, something going on where you're like, Oh, I can't, I can't squat. I can't do this. I can't please look for help. Please look and ask for assistance in regards to how to fix these issues, but please look and ask for help with an experienced professional. Because if you're in a situation where you're, you're signing up with, you know, and there's you know, Joe Schmo's big box gym, you know, a personal trainer who's been on the job for 30 days, you're not going to be set up for success. This person is not going to, to be helped. And no, not knocking on that person, not knocking on Joe Schmo's gym. Everybody's got to start somewhere. But in this situation, we need to be careful about where we're getting our advice from. And that's why you guys are getting your advice from the best podcast on fitness <laughs> in the world. But once again, please look for resources that are actually going to be helpful and advantageous and beneficial to you to set you up for success, to hit your workouts the way you want to um, mm -hmm. without cause of injury and with better overall life. <laughs> yeah. There's, <laughs> there's always, there's always a workaround for whatever, like injury issue, mobility, whatever you're facing. I think a good trainer will find a way to work around those things and come up with variants of movements that you can do. Right. That I think that is like a huge sign. That's like something in my mind that separates really good trainers from mediocre ones is how well can you work around your clients issues? You know what I'm really excited for? Sally. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm excited <laughs> well, for yeah. Sally because I think she's set up for success now. Um, I'm excited for the generation of doctors who tell patients to stop lifting weights for X, Y, and Z reason to finally pass through the professional field because dude, it, it drives me so, so nuts when I hear that a client or somebody is telling me, hey, yeah, you know, my doctor said to stop, stop doing weight training, stop squatting, whatever. And it's, then there's all this fear built up because that person is an MD, a DO or whatever, right. PhD. And, and they have so much weight in what they say and people worship what they say, you know, almost mm -hmm. to some extent. I mean, I have no respect for anybody, so I don't care, but <laughs> <laughs> every, everyone's an idiot, dude. And that is kind of I, true. Everyone is kind of an idiot. I in love a, in everybody. Listen, I love you. I also think everybody's an idiot. And I think we, I think we all, um, at the same time, we, we just have these, like nobody, like you don't know what you don't know. And mm -hmm. I can also get very dogmatic in my, in my, thoughts in my oh this is what 
is right now. But we have to be humble, especially in our fields where we're like, you know what? I don't know about uh, this or that that's in a slightly related field. Like, oh, man, doctors are, are masters of the body to some extent, right? Or one portion of, of health. But when we continue to stray into the, the fitness world and, and try to give hardcore recommendations or even on nutrition, when doctors try to give hardcore recommendations on nutrition, it's like, and it's not my forte. That's not my forte at all. And it drives me nuts too. It's like, dude, enough is enough. You have this, this highly practiced and very prestigious skill that you've created for yourself inside of your field, but stay in your lane for this stuff, right? And ask for help from these other professionals, air quotes, that, that are working on it, right? You know, like Cam said, there's always a workaround and that's what we need to consider. So if you're, and I, I have a lot of doctor friends and, you know, I appreciate what you guys do. If you're listening, you are a doctor out there. I appreciate what you guys do for, for us as a, as a community. Going beyond that though, doctors, please look for references and, and make relationships with good trainers or good um, physical therapists and, and, and build those relationships to kind of create this network of understanding. I mean, that's literally what I do. I try to build and meet more good people inside of these different fields, uh, whether it's medicine, uh, physical therapy, chiropractic work, so that I can find out, okay, who do I really respect in what they're saying? And can I use them as a reference to ask questions and learn myself so I could help make better recommendations or even pass people off to different professionals depending on what their issues are. And I think if we do more of that as a health and fitness world, we'll be better off. So once again, to, to finish up that long statement, if you have been affected by some type of doctor or person of authority telling you to hey, stop doing weight training, stop doing resistance training, please reconsider. Please do. Because like Cam said very astutely, there's always a way to work around that stuff. It's not about being dogmatic in what you're doing. It's about hitting a muscle group, creating hypertrophy, and recovering off of that. I mean, well said. I would say the only thing, one of the only things I'd be dogmatic about is that there's always a workaround. You can figure it out. You, you do have to get a little bit creative and you have to realize certain factors. I mean, really, I mean, Andrew, think about it. First off, going back to doctors real quick, dude, the era of the jacked doctor is upon us. Yeah. I, I truly think that. I mean, there's a lot of MDs I'm seeing that have podcasts or dude, even my my general physician, younger guy, probably mid thirties, jacked. I'm like, dude, there is like, I don't know, man. There's just a certain level of credibility where I'm like, dude, you're the first doctor, a general practitioner that I'm meeting with that I actually believe you take care of your health. Like you can tell he's physically active. Um, a lot of these older doctors, they're just, it's like, dude, I don't know, man. Like you just don't seem like you're kind of taking your own health in into consideration. And it's kind of tough. You know, it's just a credibility. It's, just, it's tough to take their advice when it's like, dude, you don't even take care of yourself. Well, it was kind of a thing in our parents' generation, the generation before was to, you know, who took care of themselves, right? It was sacrifice your entire life and body for your family, for your community, right. for whatever. And then that was like noble. That was worthy. Yeah. And I think we've seen it, you know, with a lot of friends and uh, or friends, parents rather growing up that they would just like throw their body on the, on the, the pyre. And just say, mm -hmm. all right, light me up. <laughs> like it's, right, it doesn't right. have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that at all. And I think what we're starting to understand, or some of us are starting to understand, that the men and women who are in these responsibility positions, and I think that includes you, whoever's listening, you're responsible for somebody, especially if you're a parent. You're responsible for your job, your, your community, your friends, your family, your uh, coworkers, whatever. The more you take care of yourself strategically, the better off you're going to be for all the things that you're responsible for. And it's when mm -hmm. you're not taking care of yourself. Dude, my dad had a heart attack at 55. You know, he yeah. was that classic, I'm going to work myself to, to death for my family, which is, it's, I mean, it's admirable, right? But it's not the way that it needs to be. It does not need to be that way. Mm -hmm. Because 
thankfully my dad survived. He had a quadruple bypass surgery at 56 and he's, you know, he's, he's doing well, but he had to retire right away. Just like that. If you could imagine how traumatic that was for the family and for him and his body, mm -hmm. it does not need to be that way because in another situation, there's probably some other family out there who, you know, their dad was just like that and ended up passing away at the age of 55 with three kids and a wife mm -hmm. and, you know, kids in high school. And what does that do? You know, you, you can't, you cannot put a value on yourself like that, I think. And, you know, insurance companies will try to do it and try to say, hey, you know, this is the way it needs to, this is what this life is worth. But you cannot measure that because you don't know what what could have been. If you're not taking care of yourself and you're, especially, we like, we like tearing this up. So I'm going to take the opportunity. If you think that self-care is going to be you know, eating bonbons, sitting on your couch after a long day, a long week of work, right? It's not taking care of yourself. That's being selfish. In this situation, you are always able to do this stuff. And if you don't have the ability to do it yourself, you have resources. And Cam and I have your back. We're not going to charge you shit. If you want to, if you want to work with me one on one, then yeah, I have to charge you because I'm growing a business. I'm growing something that's going to change people's lives. But if you need some help, if you need some advice, shoot me a message. I got your back. Mm -hmm. I know it cams the same way, and we're really, really fucking busy people, <laughs> but we're happy to do so because we believe in this. Yeah, yeah, you definitely need. To, yeah, you just need to find like what is going to actually replenish you. You know, like that's that's something that is pretty tricky for people to figure out i mean even like me dude it's like you know you just gotta see what actually works over the long haul like what is actually sustaining me and you know going back to your point real quick and then we, we can wrap up but like if you're like just like oh, i'm just gonna like sacrifice myself for my family or like work myself to death all this stuff it's like yeah but dude uh, your family needs you more than they need like all this excess money they'd rather you know it's like <laughs> For my, in my opinion, like I'd rather have a dad that's alive than a dead dad that left me a bunch of money at 50 or 55, you know, like sticking around is a pretty big deal, you know, like being there for your family and, and all that. And, you know, that's, that, that's important. That's important. So I like, I don't know. And we, and Amer you know, I feel like America is a pretty dude, like just hustle and grind culture. It's like, yeah, you should like work hard. But you also do need to be there for the people in your life that are important and you need to, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You need, there's a, like, there, there's a time to work. There's a time to rest. There's a time to be happy, be sad. Like there's a time for everything and you need to make time for all those things. They're all important. What do you got for the people this week, Cam? I think just for your, for you new people, it's like, I would say just gain that, gain that confidence, gain that consistency um. Yeah, just just find. I mean, as far as like like a, on like a physical side, just find those basic workouts that where you're you're covering every muscle group, right? Where you're, it's pain free. You're loading the muscle well. It's tough, and just get consistent. Get that base, like because you again, dude. You don't want to just work out for like six months. You want to become a person that works out. You want to become a fitness person. That's like a huge mental shift. So it's not something that you have to do. It's something you just do, right? So, and if you guys need like basic help, like, yeah, like what Andrew is saying, like, feel free to like send us DMs, text us. I mean, what, like, however you know us, like, seriously, feel free to reach out because it's something that I think Andrew and I both really like to do. And yeah, like doing some pro bono stuff is good. Like, it feels good. Just helping people out for the sake of helping people out is is good. So I think this is a, an okay opportunity. I think it's a good opportunity to, uh, to release the, the announcement about the book. Since you kind of segued me into that. I like that you said what you said, and I'm writing a book right now in regards to all this stuff, trying to boil things down to make it simple for people to understand what fitness is. And <laughs> I don't think I even told you this, Cam, the title of the book is you are a fitness person. Oh, hey, there you go. Yeah, that, that's good. That that's a great title. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. 
It's people, all about trying to help you understand that you can do this stuff too. Oh, so. definitely, dude. Definitely. Yeah, that's fantastic. When's it gonna when are you gonna be wrapped up with it? I'm about forty percent of the way there. So once okay. I'm approaching fifty percent, once I'm um at fifty, I, I wanted to take a, a consideration as to where we're at, figure out main objectives, where we want to be with yeah. the entire narrative of the book. Because there's so many topics, just like we do these podcasts, guys. There's so many ways you can go, different directions, so many tidbits and information that you can try to give to people. But what are the essentials here for being a fitness person? Um, so we'll be be working on that. Maybe we can do a maybe you could do a forward for it, Cam. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. I would <laughs> what what I would want is I'd want Cam to do a forward for it. And I'd want it to be fully authentic, no spell check. And oh no, just, <laughs> just one let take. It, let it be. It, yeah, let it be one take. It looks like a, a, uh, it's going to be a talk to text. Like it's really going to be. <laughs> it's going to be really risky, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's only it's only like half understandable. Yeah, there's going to be like three people, in the, like you, Abby, and like Tommy are going to be the ones that are able to decipher it because <laughs> you've practiced so much, but. All right, guys, if you got got something out of this podcast, I don't know how you would not have. Um, Please do us a favor, share it with somebody, uh, either share it on your social media, send it to somebody directly, or when you're talking to somebody about what you're listening to these days, please make us a conversation point because obviously you're helping us grow what we're trying to work on. You guys have probably heard us talk about what our big goals for 2023 are trying to get 50 episodes out for you guys that are going to be beneficial, helpful for you to become a better fitness person. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Thank you guys. And we'll see you in the next one. See ya. I live the life I deserve. Bless. Fuck a vacation. I feel better at work. I mean, whatever is worth. I get whatever I'm worth. Blessings on blessings on blessings. Look at my life, man. That's lessons on lessons on lessons. I treat this be like it's irreverent. I tell the truth like, Father, forgive me. These are all my confessions.